Expectations by Mark Evans. Volume 2, Chapter the 6th, A Happy Life Broken and Then Mended a Bit. Today, serve well, I am feeling perky. Not only will my daughter soon produce my first grandchild, but I shall soon finish relating my life story to her idiot husband, Sarquil. A joyful day indeed, sir. Then let us celebrate. Sir, well, you may have the next three seconds off. <laughs> Thank you, sir. How was your holiday? Most relaxing. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Sarkwell, sir. Oh, thank you, Servwell. You look relaxed. Been on holiday? Sir Philip recently gave me a whole three seconds off. Oh, getting soft in old age, Papa. Well, I am in a good mood. Oh, a good mood for you or a good mood for ordinary people? A good mood for me. So by the standards of ordinary people, I am still very irate indeed. <laughs> Are you... Ready for parenthood, my dear? Oh, yes, Father, for we have attended pre-birthing classes. What nonsense do they teach you? Oh, well, Lily is repeatedly told birth will be incredibly painful, but that it serves her right for indulging in the sin of procreative acts. <laughs> well, I am taught how to smoke a large cigar and then hide in a forbidding study until the child leaves home. <laughs> and we have the latest medical equipment if the birthing is delayed. By simply shaking this rattle in front of the mother's skirts, one can entice the child out. Uh, um, dearest, I pray, do not shake it now. Why not, dearest? Too late. The rattle has begun the birthing process. Oh, no. Then we must hurry to finish my life story. <laughs> Should we not hurry to the hospital? Nonsense. Serval delivers my drinks. He can easily deliver a baby. Oh. My story continues now. I had been rescued from a life of penury and drug addiction by my best friend, Harry Biscuit, and his wife, my sister Pippa. And I had discovered something wonderful. The woman I loved and had thought dead was in fact alive. And she loved me too. There was just one problem. Technically, I was still married to my evil ex-guardian, Mr. Gently Benevolent. <laughs> I consulted the finest legal minds to see if I might annul the marriage. There must be some way out, please. Oh, on the very last page of loopholes in marital law, it says, no wedding will be deemed to be legitimate if either party turns out to be an evil man in a dress. <laughs> I was now free to marry Miss Ripley Fecund. Arrangements were hastily made. Harry and I drew up a guest list. Will you be inviting Mr Benevolent? Harry, throughout our youthful years, he tried to kill us. We finally triumphed over him, and then some years later, he returned from the grave and has spent his time since trying to kill us again. Plus, it's always difficult inviting exes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Pippa helped Ripley to prepare. Dear Ripley, I am so happy for you. <laughs> and I am so happy for me. <laughs> There was just one shadow on the horizon. Some weeks earlier, Mr. Gently Benevolent had claimed to have summoned a mighty invading army from Mars to help him conquer the world. But as the days passed, even I began to doubt Benevolent's threat. However, an unexpected visitor the morning of the wedding disabused me of that notion. Mr. Benevolent, what are you doing here? I just came to disabuse you of any notion you might have that the Martians aren't coming. 
Because they are. Oh, and thank you for the invitation to your wedding. Damn it, Harry. It was only meant to be on the maybes list. <laughs> Nevertheless, I was happy, as I was finally to marry the woman of my dreams. Do you, Pip, put that in the bin, take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? I do. And do you, ripely, deliciously, temptingly fecund, <laughs> take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? I do. After the service, we posed for oil paintings. <laughs> and after four days, moved on to the reception. Oh, look, Pip, a splendid bouquet. Why, it has nettles and thistles and a spray of rats. Who would send such a horrid thing? There is a card. It's from Mr. Benevolent. He has sent us an evil bouquet. But what does the card say? A wedding is a lovely day of joy and celebration, but soon with sorrow you will pay when there's a massive margin invasion. <laughs> I kept a wary eye on Mr. Benevolent, but he mingled well, had a surprising amount of charming small talk, and only tried to kill two people. <laughs> lovely weather for a wedding, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and soon it was time for Ripley and I to go on our honeymoon. Are you as nervous as I am, dear Ripley? I fear I may be. Well, here we go. Luckily, we had a book with us entitled Sensible Marital Relations for Cautious Newlyweds. <laughs> Following its instructions, I removed my top hat and she laid aside her parasol. <laughs> I sat on the bed and she sat on another bed 30 feet away. <laughs> then, dear Ripley, my wife, my one true love, lay back and thought of England. And across the room, I lay back and thought of Wales and Scotland. And thereby, the union was achieved. How was it for you, dear? Extremely disappointing. Well, I'm sure we will get used to it. But I want more, much more. I want saucy thrills, and I do not mean saucy as in gravy or custard, but saucy as in frisky or passionate. With that, she leapt off her bed, jumped on top of me, and that is all a gentleman can remember. <laughs> then, all too soon, we returned to London. We're back. Harumble, for I have invented another invention. What invention is this? It is an unbreakable bottle. <laughs> Which needs a bit more work. <laughs> and how have you fared, dear sister-in-law Pippa? I have finally opened my flightless goose sanctuary. We already have a thousand sad pedestrian geese. But, dear Pippa, is that not because you've fitted so many geese with metal goose shoes to protect their feet? The weight means they cannot fly. Yes, but their feet do not hurt when they walk, which they have to do a lot now because they cannot fly. <laughs> Poor geese! Poor, poor geese. Right, and now, dear husband, may I see you upstairs for saucy thrills? There is something I need to ask first. Has there been any sign of the Martians? None whatsoever. To think we ever took Mr Benevolent's threats seriously. Yes, the whole idea of the Martians landing seems laughable. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and then the Martians landed. <laughs> Overnight, dozens of giant smoking craters appeared across England. Huge, ornate rocket craft lay in them. Yet no alien beings emerged. Britain's chief scientist, Professor Discover Stuff, was sent into a crater <laughs> to make first contact. I shall now knock on what appears to be the front door and offer them my card. 
No response. I shall now try what appears to be the tradesman's entrance, even though I am a gentleman. <laughs> Still nothing. I shall now try what appears to be the cat flap, even though I am not a cat. <laughs> oh, dash it, I'm just going to give it a good thwack. Slowly, a Martian emerged. Others followed. We looked on, astounded, for the Martians were tiny. They were only two feet tall with spindly legs and nine feeble arms. They were also bright purple and had a pair of long, furry ears over which they kept tripping. Whoops! <laughs> if this was the invading army that Mr. Benevolent was counting on, I suspected he would be disappointed. But... An unexpected visitor one morning disabused me of this notion. <laughs> Mr. Benevolent, what are you doing here? I just came to disabuse you of any notion you might have that I'm disappointed with my invading Martian army. Perhaps this invitation will change your thinking. You are cordially invited to a massive battle. 1 p.m. next Tuesday, near Worthing, RSVP, PBALC, PBALC. <laughs> Please bring a lot of coffins. <laughs> Thousands came to watch the seaside battle, not wanting to miss our brave soldiers slaughtering tiny, bright purple, furry-eared aliens. There was also a special theme commissioned from the National War composer, Sir Geoffrey de Wayne. Leading the British troops was a General George S. Sternbeater. The Sternbeater family were allies of Mr. Benevolent, and I had killed five of them already. But this sixth brother claimed to be different. I assure you, I am the black sheep of the family. While that would normally make me a criminal or lunatic, in my evil family it makes me noble and decent. Now, are you looking forward to the fight? Not really, General. Well, this will stiffen your blood. Men, our hour has come. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the promenade. We shall even fight by the candy floss stall if necessary. For I have a dream, a dream of dead Martians. Ask not who your country can kill for you, but ask who you can kill for your country. And the answer to that is Martians. Finally, it was one o'clock. But there was no sign of the Martians. Perhaps they meant one for one thirty. <laughs> What's that coming over the hill? Is it a monster? <laughs> yes, it is Mr. Benevolent. I've just come to say, would you like to surrender? There will be no surrender. Then I hope you all enjoy being killed in an extremely unpleasant way. <laughs> Mr. Benevolent retreated over the hill, and then an expectant silence fell. I don't like expectant silences. Gives the soldiers time to think. Orchestra, play! For a while, nothing happened. But then I felt the ground tremble. And suddenly, over the hill appeared an incredible sight. A mighty metal monster, fully 80 feet high. A large, bright purple saucer atop 15 articulated legs. And on the sides, Two massive furry ears. But these ears had been tied in a large bow, and worse, they were double-knotted. There would be no tripping over today. 
More appeared until 50 were arrayed against us. Mr. Benevolent was perched atop one of the purple monsters on a sinister crimson throne, which, to be honest, clashed a bit. <laughs> For a second, silence reigned. And then Benevolent cried havoc and let slip the mighty metal monsters of war. Havoc! Which means kill everyone. <laughs> You're the boss. The saucers shot out strange beams of multicolored light. Ooh, look, pretty colors. And they were, as pretty as a line of chorus girls falling into an industrial blender. <laughs> Which is to say, pretty to start with and then horrific. <laughs> Their first target was the orchestra, which they destroyed bit by bit. First, the string section. Which was fair enough, as they were awful. <laughs> then, the brass. And finally, the percussion. General Sternbeater fought back, but to no avail. On my signal, unleash hell. Now! I was talking to my soldiers. <laughs> it was carnage. Beforehand, the battlefield had been full of white lilies. Now, they were stained crimson with blood. And so, Britain's darkest hour began. The next battle took place near Leatherhead. But General Sternbeater had a problem. The men do not wish to fight. They say it is certain death. I said to them, Dulce et decorum est, pro patria mori. But none of them went to proper schools. <laughs> General? Dear husband Pip, allow me to address the soldiers. I eagerly prepared to listen to my beautiful patriotic wife's inspirational exhortation to the troops. Every man who fights the Martians will get a special kiss from me. To my horror, the entire regiment rapidly lined up in front of my wife with lips pursed. Um, I'm pretty sure she meant a kiss for every man who fights the Martians after they fought the Martians. Oh, all right. Fortunately, the entire regiment was annihilated. It's such a shame. On the bright side, while thousands of men may have died, your honour remains intact. Yes, it was no course of action for a pregnant woman to suggest, but I was thinking only of Britain. Strapping, manly Britain. Pregnant? You are pregnant? Oh, it is apparently a side effect of saucy thrills. Marvellous news! But you cannot stay near the front lines. You must go somewhere safe. We could go to my goose sanctuary. Not even the Martians would dare break the sanctity of a goose sanctuary. <laughs> An excellent idea, dear sister. As the weeks passed, more and more battles were lost. The war continued into the winter. Now, as well as the Martians, we had to battle the cold. Me and my goosey friends have made you some goose-down jackets. Your geese are true patriots, Mrs. Biscuit. They say... Save England! And if he has time, Wells in Scotland too. <laughs> and finally, General Sternbeater decided a last glorious stand was necessary. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, never in the field of human conflict have so many been exploded by Martians for no military gain at all. But today that changes, for today we do not get exploded by Martians. We win! Are you with me? Yes. Both of you! 
Yes. Then charge! Oh! Well, that's it. I'm out of soldiers. Wait. What is that spectral form appearing before us? Why, it is my dead friend, Mr. Skinflint Parsimonious, who is now a ghost. Hello. Do you come from beyond the grave to aid us? You face your darkest dawn, Pip Bin, your most dangerous morning, and almost certainly your most painful elevenses. So, I have come to say, help will come from an unexpected source. A prophecy from the other side? Well, I guess. I'm not a prophesying ghost. I'm just a glass-half-full ghost. Um, <laughs> Bye! Great. Just great. Wait! Behind us, in the trees! Why, it is Harry! Looks like my brilliant military inventions arrived at just the right time, Pipbin. Help from an unexpected source. What is this invention? I call it the machine gun. Why? <laughs> it is a gun that fires machines. <laughs> I have already preloaded it with a spinning jenny. Here goes. Oh. Uh, now let me reload it with this piano. How I hate modern music. <laughs> Alas, I am all out of ideas. Apart from one for a device to automatically pluck anyone with a first name Ian out of a crowd. <laughs> and gentlemen, we are doomed. So my Martian army has won, and now you will all die screaming. And I don't mean fun screaming like on a particularly brisk merry-go-round. <laughs> if I should die, think only this of me. But there's some corner of an English field that is forever even more England than the other bits. <laughs> oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, there it is. Now, Harry Biscuit is next. All that was left of General George S. Sternbeater was a few floating feathers from his goose-down jacket. And soon, that was all that would remain of Harry Biscuit, my best friend, brother-in-law, and lately chief quite bad inventor to the British Army. <laughs> Don't worry, Pimpin. I'm not scared. Brave Harry, turning a steady eye on your imminent, brutal vaporization. Right. Now I'm bricking it. <laughs> there to be reduced to crumbs, Biscuit. <laughs> Goodbye, Pimpin. Goodbye, Harry Biscuit. As the Martians prepared to fire, the strangest thing happened. The feathers from the general's coat floated in front of the dreadful war machine and... Bless you. Why, he has sneezed himself to death. As the Martians were distracted, we took our chance and ran into the woods. <sighs> what happened? The Martians, they are allergic to goose feathers. Fatally allergic. Quick, Harry, we must go to Pippa's goose sanctuary. Yes, it'd be nice to see the girls. And we must make sure the Martians follow us. Are you sure? I don't think they'll get on at all. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yes. <laughs> feathers. Fatal allergy. Win the war. Right. It turns out I hadn't got it. <laughs> We rushed out of the woods and in front of the Martians again. There they are. After them, my Martian army. We ran, pausing occasionally to make sure they were still on our tail, and once to give them directions. <laughs> Eventually, we arrived, with the Martians only a minute behind us. Dear Brother Pip, what brings you here? Pippa, where are the geese? Well, they have 
have just finished their afternoon massage and are preparing for story time. <laughs> I'm afraid there will be no story tonight. They must save the world so that future generations may lead a life free from Martian enslavement. Oh, dear husband, you are so noble, so sweaty. Do you have time for saucy thrills? <laughs> saucy thrills must wait, dear wife. I have a world to save. We quickly gathered up all the geese and put them in a field in front of the goose sanctuary. There, my metal shot goosey friends. You are the Earth's last best hope. Will the Martians hurt my geese? They may kill them a little. The Martians are here. Do not kill my geese. Take me instead. All right, kill the geese. Kill them, not me. The geese tried to fly away, but their metal goose shoes made it impossible. And every time the Martians exploded one, the feathers flew higher and further. And one by one, their mighty war machines ground to a halt and toppled over. Finally, they had all collapsed. And there was only silence. Harry, check inside one of the saucers. The creature within is dead. And what is more, there is phlegm everywhere. <laughs> we have triumphed. Curses. You've destroyed my indestructible Martian army, which it turns out was badly named. <laughs> I cannot believe that you have foiled my incredibly elaborate plot yet again. How exactly was it supposed to work? I'm glad you ask. It really was very, very complicated. It all he explained for a whole seven hours, and at the end, I think I understood it all. Antarctica to Australia to make Antralia, and that was it. That was how complicated my plan was. <laughs> I see. Although I don't quite understand the bit about the asparagus and the chicken thighs. <laughs> well, that wasn't really part of the plan. It was just a recipe suggestion I threw in for fun. Well, it sounded delicious. Now, do you give up, Mr. Benevolent? No. There are plenty more planets in the solar system. I shall return with a brand new indestructible Venusian army. I think not. For... I have brought with me my sword stick. <laughs> and I've brought with me my cannon stick. Ah. Well, I shall try anyway. Have at you, sir. And again. And again. You forget, I'm dead already. The only way to destroy me is by total molecular disintegration. I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> anyway, Pip-Bin, prepare to die as I light the fuse on my cannon. No! Do not kill Pip-Bin! Harry bravely ran to interpose himself between me and the cannon, but tripped and fell headfirst into the saucer he had previously examined. Oh! Oh, oh I'm covered in Martian snot! <laughs> oh, oh, get it off me! Oh! oh the, ah. Any last words, Pip-Bin? <laughs> it is a far, far better thing that I do now that... Harry, will you shut up and let me get my last words out with dignity? But it's horrible in here! Harry thrashed about trying to extract himself from the Martian bogies. And as he thrashed, he must have kicked or hit something important. Yes, that's it, Harry. Do it again. No! The beam caught Mr. Benevolent square in the chest and he came apart before our very eyes. His molecules hovered in front of us. Total molecular disintegration. How did you know? <laughs> oh, yes, I told you. But I will return, Pip-Bin, with an even more complex plan involving talking dogs, a special type of tarpaulin, and an enormous number of spoons. <laughs> and then you will 
taste your doggy tarpaulin his spoony doom. <laughs> the wind whirled him away, and all was silent. What's that strange fizzing sound? Oh, it's just Mr. Benevolent's cannon. Ah. Cannonball struck me, and blackness descended. The next thing I knew, I awoke in my own bed. Had any of it truly happened? The Martians, my marriage, Pippa and Harry, had it all been a dream? I stumbled out of bed and to the window. Outside, London bustled, and there was snow on the ground. I called to a boy passing below. Hugh boy, what day is this? Why, sir, it is Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Day? Then here is a guinea. Run to the butchers and fetch me the biggest goose in the shop. Yes, sir. I got back into bed. Within a few minutes, the boy returned. They didn't have a goose, sir. So instead, I got you the largest space chicken in the shop. Space chicken? It's what everyone's calling the dead Martians. They're delicious. Then it wasn't a dream. Then in flooded my friends. Dear brother Pip. Pip. How good it is to see you well again, Pip-Bin. Harry Biscuit, my dearest friend. Hello, Pip-Bin. My ghostly friend, Mr. Parsimonious. Yes, it is I, and I have brought some ghost friends with me. General Sternbeater. I salute you, Pip-Bin. I bring geese in our time. <laughs> my geese! My lovely ghost geese. And do not forget me, dear husband. My beloved wife, rightly. And your beloved daughter. <laughs> She gave birth. And you shall choose her name. I thought of the war with the Martians and where it had all begun, where our brave soldiers had fallen in stark contrast to the beautiful flowers around them. And I wanted to honor those men. Soldier. <laughs> we shall call her Soldier. What about Lily? Oh, much better. <laughs> Lily it is. A rumble for Lily! And that, my dear, was you. Oh, that's all very touching, but I'm in quite a lot of birthing pain here. Push, dear, push. I am pushing! Harder, harder. Oh, not that hard. Ah, a beautiful and literally bouncing baby boy. Got him! Well caught, Sarkwell. Oh, a compliment, sir. I'm deeply moved. Oh, let me hold him. He is so beautiful. Like his mother. Dear daughter, uh, sort of dear Sarkwell, that is the end of my story for the moment. One day, there will be more to hear. How I trained a fish to tap dance. <laughs> how I was made king of space. And how I invented a cheese you can squirt from a siphon. But now, a new story is beginning. The story of your son, my grandson. And with the grace of God, may his story be a long story. A good story, with laughter and happiness. Where no shadow falls, and his expectations far from bleak. Bleak Expectations was written by Mark Evans and starred Richard Johnson as Sir Philip Bin, Tom Allen as Young Pip, Anthony Head as Mr Benevolent, Lawrence Howarth as Mr Parsimonious, Geoffrey Whitehead as Sternbeater, Susie Kane as Pippa, Sarah Haddland as Lily and Ripley Feckund, James Barkman as Harry Biscuit, and Mark Evans as the lawyer and sundry Martians. It was produced by Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards.